Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Revell. Well, it's a big sprint car show tonight, Dennis Newell, and as we've got some fantastic interviews lined up right off the bat, Jock Gooder. We also have David Mills from Warrnambool Premier Speedway, and we finish it off with Matt Eagles, who won the USC round at Murray Bridge last Saturday night. And I know you have got some big news about Matt that has happened between when I interviewed him at the beginning of the week and, well, it's Thursday night when we record this show. Yes, our show tonight is, is certainly um, plenty of sp- sprint car news, uh, no question of that. And, and yes, with Matt, um, from what I'm hearing, um, his involvement with uh, Daryl Downing and the Downing Racing Team has come to an end. Um, now, let me preface this. It was an amicable parting of the way. Um, allegedly, this has happened. It's only just happened. Very, very recent, recent news. So that's all I know, um, and that's why I prefer to say an allegation. I haven't had a chance. I know you spoke with him earlier, but this, this has happened since. So that's something we probably would follow up uh, in due course. But um, anyway, as far as what is happening, there's a lot happening in sprint cars on both sides of the Pacific, Craig. We've got the Outlaws a season in uh, Florida commencing with some rough-and-tumble action involving Ian Madsen who's quite okay after a very spectacular crash on the second night. And, of course, World Series sprint cars, their western swing. So, so as I said, plenty plenty happening in the world of sprint car racing, Craig. Yeah, Donnie Schott's winning the opener of 2020 over there at Volusia Speedway with Logan Schuart and Brad Sweet, who backed it up on the next night to take the win. Not a bad uh, check for winning a round on this Florida opening uh, speed weeks. $10,000 to shots to win on the first night, and then it was Sweet who picked up the ten grand on the next night. Not a bad run for 30 laps, but the great news is the run by James McFadden with a second-place finish. Yep, Casey Kane racing, uh, James McFadden. A great effort and, and challenging for the lead at one stage, looking tremendous. And uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, race by James. Uh, of course, he, um, he's done all this before. We know that. He's, he's not new to the world of Outlaws circuit. And if I remember a few years ago, he almost won his very first uh, main event ever, contesting a, a main with the world of Outlaws, a tremendous effort. But um, it, it's wonderful news. Not so great news was Ian Madsen's spectacular crash when challenging for the lead uh, to pass Brad Sweet. Now, this was on the second night. And anyone who's seen this accident on YouTube or Facebook, it's pretty horrific, very fortunate, but I think it's probably an indication also. Uh, fortunate he's, he's escaped without injury, but secondly, it is a great advertisement for the standard of safety in these spring cars. It was a wild ride, but um, he is okay. And another driver who actually uh, is in the wars as well is, is his brother Kerry, who 
who went through Florida with a, with an injured elbow, which I believe is broken. And this this apparently happened in the recent Australian Sprint Car Championship at Trobe, from the information I've got anyway. So both the Madsen brothers at the moment, Craig, in the wars. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to uh, see how they can recover. They don't have long to because the world of outlaws is back on track. Well, the 13th, which, of course, is overnight our time. In fact, it would be Friday morning when we're putting this up on the internet that they're back on track. They've got... Um, oh, in fact, that might be the late models, sorry. So the Cotton Bowl on the 13th of March is the next time that the World of Outlaws will be uh, out yep. there. So sorry about that. Uh, Cotton Bowl on the 13th. And I know there was a lot of talk about uh, having that... Uh, swing in Florida during the speed weeks because uh, then they have this big long break. It will be good to see uh, the returning drivers because James McFadden, and we'll talk about World Series, which recommences this weekend, but we'll talk more about James McFadden uh, later on in the show. Yeah, Craig, just uh, just a point on all of this. Um, you, you are right. It is, a, it is a relatively early start in the season for the Outlaws. Just a uh, just another point too. Um, Logan, Logan Schuhart won the final night uh, in main event from Darren Pittman and Brad Sweet. But Brad Sweet was the overall uh, series champion of those uh, that that Florida swing at Volusia. Um, he he won and leads the. I mean, the, the points don't count for anything at this early stage. But just for the record, Brad Sweet is leading the world of outlaws on 438 points. Logan Schuhart, second, 436. And Darren Pittman, third, 424. That's the top three. But as I say, you can't read anything into that. Uh, I think there's another 75 races to go. <laughs> So plenty of action still to come. Yeah, there is indeed. We've got some great interviews coming up, starting with a, a real young gun in Australian Speedway in Jock Gooder. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics magazine on sale now. Dennis, <laughs> Jockers. Certainly kicked off uh, an amazing sprint car career in only just two years of top-line racing. Oh, tremendous effort uh, by Jock. And, of course, that was highlighted quite recently over in Western Australia with that uh, sensational victory in the Western Apples. Uh And, Jock, I guess uh, that would have to be the highlight of your career at this stage. Yeah, no, definitely. That would definitely be one of my highlights of my career so far, that and winning the Australian Formula 500 title. It was obviously cool to get a win in a sprint car in a solid field, obviously. And, um, yeah, it was just cool to finally get a win in them. Yes, we've seen uh, previous Australian Formula 500 champions go on to great success in sprint cars. Of course, I I dare say you're hoping to emulate and follow in the tyre tracks of Max Dumsney, who was a two-times Formula 500 national champion. And, of course, uh, when he moved into sprint cars, the rest is history, as they say. It's a good proving and training ground, uh, Jock. Yeah, no, definitely. Formula 500 is obviously a good category to get you, I suppose, iron for the sport and um, figure out how wing works on the car. And it's obviously good to just, I know, they're a good learning 
curve before you get into the main power. Well, you're a young man from Tasmania and you would have relished having the national titles down in your home base at uh, Latrobe there a few weeks ago. How did you enjoy that experience? Yeah, no, obviously it was cool to have the titles back down home in our home state and um, have the family and friends everywhere there. And um, I didn't really have the quite result that were after a lot of bad luck, but um, I know it's just cool to have the event back down home and um, hopefully it was good and I'm pretty sure everyone else enjoyed it and watched it. When do you think you're going to be able to make that next leap and, and start doing some racing for other teams and and eventually make that move to getting drives overseas? Oh, well, I don't know. There's no real rush, I suppose, to do that. we just got to, I don't know, try to get some results in Australia first and then just hope that opportunities come. But obviously uh, the main goal is obviously just to get solid results in Australia at the moment and then obviously we'll just see how we go from there. Having done a lot of racing in Tasmania, what do you find the hardest thing is when you travel back to the mainland? Is it just getting on the more free-flowing tracks? Yeah, so the tracks down home have a bigger one, the solid bigger one, which is the Trobe. There's no real big difference. It's obviously a lot more. The competition's obviously a lot harder when you come over to the mainland. That's why it's so much harder to secure wins, isn't it? Obviously, why you, when you race with the best, you become the best. You got to race them, and then that's how you get there. Jock, what are your impressions of World Series sprint cars? Uh, how much has that helped you this season in particular? Yeah, World Series obviously helped a lot me. Um, I suppose going forward in this season, it's uh, obviously a big confidence boost. There's a lot of racing in such a small time, which is good. And, I know the series is going very well. It's obviously very well organised, and it's obviously the names that race World Series is where it's at. So you're racing with the top names in Speedway. I must say, I caught uh, the round ten at uh, Castrol Edge Lismore Speedway, and uh, you, you did impress me. Uh, that's a testing circuit, but you seem to adapt to it straight away. Yeah, obviously Lismore was quite a challenging one for me, but. I don't know, we ended up getting there in the end of the A-Main and found some bit of confidence there. Have you found yourself to be fairly adaptable to the car setup? Is everything so new, you're just learning so much every time you drive, or do you have some specific things that you like to get in and feel in the car at each of the different tracks you race at? Uh, well, yeah, I suppose, I suppose you've got to put there. So, I know the way we've... Um, go about it. Obviously, I've got a good crew chief, which helps me a lot, Glenn. And then all our everywhere, like all our stuff is all the same. So all our motor package, our chassis, and everything's the same. So every time I do get in the car, everything's the same, and it all feels the same. And that's what obviously gives me the confidence, which is good. How have you gone about funding the program? Yeah, so I've obviously got some uh, good backers. Obviously, my my family, my mum, my dad, and that. They helped me a lot with the funding of it, and we got them as sponsors, CV Goods Developments, and I got CI Care, uh, Crossroads, and then just, there's heaps of little little um, teams down home that um, support me. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, um, as you stated earlier, uh, success in Formula 500. Um, how, when, and where did you get involved in Speedway? Yeah, so I started racing when I was 15 my parents got me a dirt car and at that point I was never really interested in racing at all but then obviously did it and then I fell in love with it and then um, 
now that I wanted the 500. So we did 500 racing for a season when I was 15, and then we went up to the street cars when I was 17, and two seasons later, and then I suppose we're here now. Were you always planning one day to get into 410 sprint car racing? Was that the long-term goal when you started in car? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I was scared of it at the start. And um, when I first did it, obviously they're quite a daunting thing. There's so much power. But once I did it, the nerves were out and then I was fine. And then I fell in love with it after that. How do you handle being part of that new breed, that new wave of young sprint car drivers who are pushing at the pointy end? Oh, obviously, it's cool to it's cool to be a part of that. Like it's, it's cool to go out in the racetrack and know that you've got the, the pace to keep up with the front runners. And just, it's a bit of a luck game as well. So you've got to have good luck and obviously good car speed and you sort of trust what it gets put together at night which is always the hard bit it's a pleasure to have you on the show jock we're looking forward to seeing how you uh, go over the next couple of weeks as you prepare yourself for the world series western swing yes thank you appreciate it yeah good to talk to you jock best of luck in western australia and and uh the rest of your career you you're one of the young talents on the national sprint car scene and i congratulate you sincerely on uh the impact that you've made in a relatively short period of time. Thank you. I appreciate it. David Mills joins us now from Premier Speedway. And, David, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. David, I'm always fascinated about the difference between a club-run track and a purely commercial promoter-run track. How do you find the synergies between the two? It's an interesting one, isn't it? And I think Premier Speedway in itself developed such a stage where it is a club-run venue and I'm just fortunate to be employed here as my day job. But um, it's also developed into such a such a big business, I suppose. It is a, it's a 365-day-of-the-year business. And and I, I, I don't really know, never having been on that private promoter side of things, I'm, I'm not sure I'm qualified to actually speak so much about it, but... I imagine um, there's a lot of pressure in it on a, from a club point of view in that I'm, I'm in control and making some fairly integral decisions about uh, that could affect the, the six 700 members that we do have as a club. But from a private promoter, it could be a livelihood on the line by those same decisions as well. Um, so there's different pressures associated with each one, and I think it's perceived from the outside that everyone's a little bit different as well. David, welcome to our show. It's great to talk to you again. David, I want to firstly congratulate you on on the success that you've had there. Uh, you would be one of the longest-serving track managers at the venue. And secondly, the point I want to make is the Premier Speedway Club, why are they so successful? We know of other club-run tracks in Australia that enjoy some success or moderate success. But everybody knows the Premier Speedway Club. Why is that the case, Dave? Um, I'm not sure. I suppose when you, you put it there that I might be one of the longest serving managers. I'm not sure. I know Ian Shepherd was in the old race director days, was here for many, many years. But many, um, many years, yes, he was. Yeah. yeah, but look, I think the success of the club's born around the volunteer base. There's no doubt about that and the passion that they have. Um, we're very lucky that. We're in a Speedway-centric area, I suppose, is the best way to put it. These days, we could have a fairly reasonable sprint car A main of just guys within a 50-kilometre radius. So there's, there's Speedway in the blood of people around this neck of the woods, and we get good support um, from, a, from a commercial aspect and that sort of thing as well. 
Um, I think a lot of the success is born from the, the foresight of our forefathers. Um, aside from maybe not having purchased enough land and not having it bordered by a railway and a highway, I think they did a lot of things right back in the day. And, and on the back of the, the Australian Championship that they had back in 71 or 72 to, to have the classic, to even have the foresight to, to call have the initials GASC as the Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic in, in case the speed, sprint car side of it didn't work and they could revert back to a saloon classic. Um, sort of speaks volumes for the foresight they had and the want to make it a successful event. Now, would the club be as successful now without the Classic? I'm not sure it would be. Um, as much as we can run World Series and we can run Australian Speed Car Championships or the Easter Trails, whatever you want to put on, the the whole season re- rolls around those three days of late in January. So um, I think in answer to your question, it is a, a tradition is the biggest thing. Um, I think you, you, can, you can't buy tradition and I think that's one of the things that really has put the classic on a pedestal, which obviously helps the club be successful all season long. I agree with everything you've said, Dave, but I think you've summed it up beautifully because everyone around Australia, when, when, the, when the classic was inaugurated back in the very early 70s, uh, it was called either the Warrnambool Classic and, as you said, the Grand Annual Classic or whatever. But everybody around Australia now um, knows it just as the classic. You just have to say, oh, I'm going to the classic, and yep. people know where you're going. Yeah, I exactly guess right. it's probably in hindsight, you, you think back to when all this started, um, it, it probably even exceeded what what the founders of the track, even in their wildest dreams, expected. The, the tie-up with Knoxville Raceway in America, the international stars who race in the classic. Yeah, see, there it is. I just said it straight away, the classic. See, um, I guess it's fair to say this, is, this has gone way above even even the greatest of expectations going back previous decades. Oh, absolutely. I've got no doubt about that. And you've got to you've got to go back to the likes of Tom Schmay at Knoxville Raceway and Ian Shepherd, as we mentioned before, and John Evans to create that link with the Knoxville Raceway. And it's something we've had to work pretty hard at because I think I think every every major venue in the country here in Australia would love to have that association and, and Sydney Speedway have been able to develop that as well to their full credit. Um I think even even when I started in my role, uh, my first classic was 2008. We had 56 cars and four Americans come out for that, and we we thought we were just hitting a bit back in those even at that stage, and that's what the 35th classic or whatever it was then. So for something to have been going 35 years and to have that type of car count and and no thoughts at that stage of expanding to three nights and the like from there, um, it probably is. A lot of credit's got to go to the likes of our current president, Richard Parkinson, who's been here longer than me. He's our longest-serving club president now. Um, along the lines that when I was first employed here, he said, your number one mandate is to make sure that the Classic is more than just a race. It has to be an event. And um, for someone coming out of selling radio advertising, that was a fairly fairly significant point in time in my career to, to have that instruction and to go, right, well, I better find a way to make this happen and, and get the club on side. And thankfully... Um, it's probably, I think to everyone on the outside, people probably look at my role and probably think I'm badgered a bit by the board. I've got nothing to praise for them in the way they've conducted themselves over the last 13 years. Give me enough rope to, to get some things done, to implement some ideas and, and to let me run with some things, at times with some financial risk associated to them as well. So I think um, that's a big part of what we're at and that's just trying to make trying to make race meetings more than just a race meeting, trying to make it an event. And whether that's having fireworks during World Series and those types of events to, to attract the kids and, and those types of things. I think in this day and age where the competition for entertainment 
um, dollars is so intense and so hard fought that we need to continue to maintain that. How did you get involved with Speedway and then ultimately move into the managing role uh, at uh, Premier Speedway? You mentioned about selling radio advertising. That was obviously uh, your, your formal work. How did you get involved with all of this, though? Yeah, it's a funny story. I was always a uh, ball sport kid. Uh, my old man didn't have a motorsport bone in his body. Um, and uh, I was footy, cricket, golf, all those types of things. And I met my right now wife, Fiona, um, when I was about 18, 19, and, and came home from cricket one day. And I said, what are we doing tonight? And half expecting we'd be going to the pub for tea and probably quite a few too many beers or something. And and she uh, said, oh, well, we're going to the speedway down at Warnable. You can please yourself. So it was any... You know, abiding young 18 and 19 year old male does wherever his partner's going, you tend to tag along. So I came down to a World Series night. I remember sitting here out in the terrace before the seats and on the concrete there. And, and I was infatuated right from the start, uh, not with her, but with the racing. But, um, it was, it was quite the experience. And then her brother raced. He actually, uh, was competitive in the old, uh, open sportsman days in Victoria and then moved into some speed car racing. And he said, don't sit out in the crowd. He said, come out in the pits. So, that was the next progression. She got left in the terrace. I made my way into the pits. Uh-huh. And, um, long story short, he crewed for Jeff Judd in the sprint car, and, and I tagged along as well, and very loosely termed crew member. Uh, wiped a bit of mud off from time to time and had a good time doing it. But um, And then slowly but surely, I was a real estate agent before I went to the radio and, and probably got the gift of the gap a little bit, I suppose. And um, that led to me doing some commentary down at Simpson Speedway and then eventually here helping out Gavin White um, doing some community announcements and that sort of stuff and some press releases back in the day. And then just one night I was sitting home on a Thursday night, I think it was, and there was a knock on the door and it was Rob Harrison as the previous manager. And he basically knocked on the door and said, I've just resigned from the board. I'm going to work at World Series and I think you should put him for the job at Warnable. And the here we are, history. 10 years later. Little did you realise uh, what a ride it would be. How many, how many more years do you feel you want to use I mean, I'm not saying you're old by any means. I'm just saying, what is your long-term plan? Um, that's a very good question because um, I'm probably under undereducated. I suppose I was straight out of high school and into the workforce. And um, as, as a young guy, I thought my world revolved around playing footy and doing that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer. That's probably a question I do ask myself sometimes, but I'll be brutally honest and it's Running a speedway is no different to any other job, and unless you're absolutely blessed, there's days when you come home and you think, "What the dickens am I doing? You know, why am I putting myself through this?" Or, you know, I'm worn out, and you know, three nights of the classic, and you get home and all you want to do is sleep for a week and all that sort of stuff, and you sort of go, "How long can I keep doing that?" And um, is it fair on my family to do that with young kids and and all those types of things that are heavily involved in sport and stuff as well? So, I don't know. I hope it's a long time to come still. Um, there's no one beating down my door with job offers. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any need for me to go anywhere as long as I've got the support of the board. But um, I'm also realistic enough to know, guys, that at some point I might become irrelevant. There might be some new ideas and I'm too stuck in my ways over the past 13, 14, 15 years, whatever it becomes, that um, the, the board see fit that they do need a change. And I've always said to them that I regard this role nearly as being like a football coach, that at some point in time there'll be a tap on the shoulder and say, hey, we're going to go in a new direction. Thanks very much. And if that day happens, I'll, that won't be a kicking up a stink and carrying on on social media. It'll be a shake of the hands and thanks very much for the ride and, and move on to the next chapter and certainly walk through the gates, hopefully with my head high when, whenever they do open for the next meeting and sit in the crowd and see what happens. You have those five big nights a year, but a speedway runs 
for a lot more than just those five nights. So how do you structure a regular night of racing to make sure that you're really supporting those loyal fans who do sit up on the hill and in the bleachers each and every week? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. One of the one of the tough things we had to to give you a little bit of an expansive answer to that question, and I see where you're coming from, is the fact that um, in Victoria, with 23 or four different speedways, from the end of October or nearly back to mid October now, um, up until Easter, there's no spare Saturday night. So our flexibility with our calendar is fairly rigid um, and fairly difficult at times to work with. Yes, if you as we've got the speed car championship coming up. Um, you swap that in, you tend to work with tracks around dates and say, well, we've got this, can you give us some breathing room and, and not run an hour up the road against it or whatever the case may be. It doesn't always happen. You still have those clashes, but with that amount of tracks, it's inevitable. Um, I think one of the things we've tried to do as a club is um, obviously with the strength of the Eureka Sprint Car Series in Victoria, that's, that's a blessing for us because we can run a multiple nights of that during the course of a season. Um, We've obviously developed Max's race as a feature event. Then you've got your World Series nights, your classic. You get to the back end of the Eureka Series and hopefully pick up a grand final or a big title or something along the way of that, and then Easter. But we also try for the support divisions, if you will, or the other divisions. Um, we're fairly staple in running feature events throughout the course of the season with those sprint car nights. So we run two memorial races for junior sedans. We've got the Jack Wilshire Cup for Formula 500s. Um, the late models have got a nice little leg in with us now as well to run with Max's race. Um, the wingless sprints, obviously, in this area, if we have a club night with wingless sprints, it's 60 to 65 cars. So there's there's great support for them. Um, it's probably – that's that's the the way we try to structure it, is that there's a, if it's a sprint car night or it's a speed car championship night, that we've still got something else running for those other local divisions as well. And hence, we look at the Super Odd Couple run in conjunction with the Speed Car Championship, and it's it's a perfect fit because there'll be a two-dozen car support division essentially running for one of their feature events, and we can hopefully make it work with the right amount of cars in the pits because I hate the term backgate promotion, but at times it's a part of the equation where you need to tick that box to say, yep, we've got enough through the back gate that it's, it's going to be viable from that side of things and then our promotion needs to be strong enough to attract people to come in through the front gate. So um, if that answers your question about the way we structure it, it is that we do generally have a main event, but it's not just a support division running with them generally. It's always another feature event for those support divisions to try and nurture the youth through to the, to the top end. You mentioned speed car racing just a minute ago and speed cars. I want to talk a little bit, David, about the Australian Speed Car Championship later on, but before I get onto that... We're talking about um, the Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic Premier Speedway Club, Warnerbuller's success over the years. One area of success that started, uh, I think, around 1980 was getting involved in setting up the Easter Sprint Car Trail, which has been, over the years, an institution in the southern part of Australia. And Warnerbuller, again, Premier Speedway Club, in on the ground floor. Yeah, exactly right. Um, going back 1980, as you said, this year will be the, the 41st running of it. Um, an amazing group of statistics on its own, that Easter Trail event. You go, I went through it the other day and you got someone like Max that's won 32 different rounds and Gary Rush won 12 and Robbie Farr's won 12 and all these types of names that pop up at Easter. But um, Portland, Bendigo, Melbourne, um, all a part of that Easter Trail at different stages um, back in the day. Um, might have even been back on the bitumen at Portland in those times at one point. But um, it's uh, it's actually fantastic. The way that the, the 
probably the strength of that is the way the three clubs can work together, or the three venues. Um, little known fact is that we met just recently, earlier this week, with Avalon and Mount Gambier and a catch-up here. Let's go out for tea with the, with the other venues, chew the fat, debrief on World Series Speed Week, debrief on the Classic Week and the King's Challenge and President's Cup, etc., and then look forward to Easter and make sure we're all, all on the same page, the coordination, the nominations, and everything's all taken care of and that sort of thing. So we can make it as smooth as we can for the competitors to come and run and then hopefully all of us finish safely to uh, finish soundly with a good result at the end of the year with our Easter Trail. But it is a tradition. Um, obviously, there's there's a northern Easter Trail these days as well, which uh, initially we did. We wondered. We obviously scratched our head and thought, gee, is this going to knock us around too much? But I think when we're still attracting 50 cars at an Easter Trail each year and with all three tracks on board and and uh, having the fireworks displays and those types of things, it's, uh, it's amazing the amount of new race fans we get at Easter, people walking in through the gate, um, our gate attendants actually coming back to us and telling us that they had people asking where they should go and sit because they'd never been before, and that, that happens a lot, and probably more so than any other meeting um, come Easter time. I think, uh, David, also too, you, you hit on it, the key to all of this is the great working relationship you have amongst the tracks involved with the Premier Speedway Club. Yep, absolutely. Um, I I regard Jeff Drew as one of the one of my confidants. Probably the, uh, too strong a word, I suppose. But I feel I can bounce pretty much anything off Drewy, and and no, I'm not. I'm going to get a no fuss answer. A um, lot of experience from he and going back to his dad and everything else that ran Avalon, and 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 that's he's, if he hasn't seen it, he, that probably hasn't happened yet. So um, I find that. Uh, an integral relationship in what we do and, and try and help them out as much as I can, whether it be go and help with the SRA on, on nights they run or help with commentary or whatever I can to help Drewy out a little bit because I think um, they're an integral part of what we do. And the club of Mount Gambier are just fantastic people. And and there's been there's been bumps in the road. Obviously, the decision to go to a three-night classic probably didn't appease the people in Mount Gambier all that greatly because we shuffled their Friday night show back to a, to a Thursday. So, And for any volunteer-based club to have to run um, still with a work day the next day, put you under immense pressure. And we understood that as well, but it was we were at a stage where we were going to hamstring the Classic and probably begin to give it a, a real shelf life if we didn't expand it because it was going to die its own natural death So, um, as a victim of its own success. So um, the relationship we do have with them is great. Three, four times a year to get together and, and chew the fat just about Speedway and, and talk to people like Bill Barrows and Jeff Drew and that sort of stuff. As a race fan, that's pretty cool in itself. I think you can sit down and, and talk and, and to have them value your opinion because you're a full-time employee in the industry is um, is one of the more enjoyable parts of it. I tell you what, David, I can hear your passion just talking to you now and this is, this is, this is wonderful. It's great to see a speedway, a speedway manager, a speedway track, a speedway club, really, really enjoying what they do. And I think uh, enjoying what you do, uh, one of the big Australian title meetings, February 28, 29, is the Australian Speed Car Championship. And already you've got an interesting lineup and a very, very impressive entry list. You know, you've got Americans, you've got New Zealanders, Carson Macedo's coming back to race in it. I mean, Michelle Decker, Shannon McQueen, USA. You've got Michael Pickens from New Zealand. This promises to be one of the really great Australian speedcar championships. 
Yeah, it does. On paper, it certainly does. And you go through the list and you've got the likes of, you know, Troy Jenkins and, and Matt Jackson and these guys that are coming to run and some local guys that run pretty well as, as well, like Domaine Ramsey and, and Travis Mills and a few of the Victorian guys, Tommy Payette from Western Australia as well. Like some of the equipment these guys are going to bring to the table is just amazing. Like it is, it is top-notch gear and to have someone like Michael Pickens invest in bringing his own car over, I think speaks volumes for the event, and um, that that to me that, that appeals to me the race fan side of me. It was a bit like getting the text message from Kyle Larson to say, "Hey, I've got a spare weekend. Do you reckon we can do something for the classic?" So you, that, they're the things that you sort of you really enjoy about it. But I think to have Caleb Curry, another one of the Kiwis coming across, adds another dimension to it as well because he's obviously run the Chili Bowl. He's run some POWRI shows over in the states as well. Um, super competitive. Um, you know, we just, I don't think you can honestly say that Pickens is going to come and dominate or Carson Macedo is going to come back and dominate because you just don't know. The competition is going to be that fierce. And if we can, in the coming days before the nominations do close, hopefully we see the likes of Dane Kingshot and maybe an Alex Bright. Uh, these guys come in and, and nominate as well. Um, Nathan Schmee's another one that's not on the list as yet. So we get some of those guys back and having seen what they can do here at uh, Premier Speedway at some of our other speed car meetings over the past couple of seasons, I think we we get the best 24 in the feature on um, on the Saturday night. It's going to be an absolute barn burner over 40 laps. Well, I'm quite sure you will get a very impressive entry list when it, when it's all finalised. And a, and a great bit of history here, as you know, I'm very much a speed car devotee. And the history of the Australian Speed Car Championship, ironically, going back to the mid-30s, one of the very first uh, uh, Australian speed car titles was held at the Olympic Park Speedway in Melbourne. So we're going right back to the state of Victoria, virtually where it all started in the long history of the Australian Speed Car Championship, David. Yeah, exactly right. I think, what do we got now down there now? The Rectangle Stadium or something like that that's uh, grown over the, the old Olympic Park dog track and those types of things, mate. But, um, yeah, it is good. Uh, I just I just love the tradition of it. You go back and look at some of the names that have won this race and and I'm, I'm really wrapped that this is our second crack at it since I've been here. Um, basically, the to have hosted it a few years ago. We thought it was a fantastic event. We were a little bit rain-affected, et cetera, et cetera. But um, with what we've got coming up um, later this month, I'm, I'm very excited for it. And as you say, you're, you're a student of it. You've studied it your whole life. And um, I think that's what the only frustration for me is that being a sprint car hotbed down here, I just hope that a lot of our, our fans come along as casual observers of the speed cars and, and really give it the respect it deserves as a national championship. We all hope so too because it is probably one of the highest quality fields, as Dennis said earlier. David, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, find out more about Premier Speedway and, of course, the upcoming speed car title, which uh, everyone should try and make their way down to Warrnambool for in two weekends' time. And we look forward to speaking to you again uh, sometime in the future. Yep, no worries at all, guys. Anytime you, you need a guest, I'd be happy to be on the show. It's uh, certainly appreciated. And if it helps promote the sport of Speedway in the country, well, I think that's a good thing. Thanks very much, David. Great to have you on, on our show and, and best of luck. Uh, I know you don't need luck. It's good management and, and a very well-run professional track that'll make this upcoming Australian Speed Car Championship something very special. Thanks, David. No worries at all. Thank you. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine on sale now. Well, Matt Eagle joins us on the line now as he is the winner 
last weekend at Murray Bridge Speedway. And, of course, Matt, it's great to have you on the show and great to hear, see you pick up your second victory at Murray Bridge, or second victory in the South Australian League of the Ultimate Sprint Car Championship in this 2019-20 season. Yeah, um, thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, it was a good weekend for us. Sounded like the track was was pretty tough going. People getting uh, up on bicycling, up on wheels and getting into all sorts of trouble. How did you manage to negotiate that? <laughs> um, it's always hard to negotiate, to be honest. Uh, you know, what spring car racing is all about. It's, um, it's a sprint race and you've got to go as hard as you can from the get-go. But at the same time, you do have to try and pace it and be smart about it. So just, just trying to obviously take note of where the ruts are on the track during the race and um, make sure the car is nice and straight so when it does hit them, it uh, tries not to unsettle the car too much. You are doing well in the uh, in the US, USC South Australia. What is your uh, ultimate goal for sprint car racing? Um, oh, my ultimate goal these days is just to, well, I'm just lucky enough to be doing it really. Um, I've had the privilege of driving for other teams now for the last six years, and um, it's uh, able me to, you know, keep pursuing my career in in spring car racing. Um, so basically, just just yeah, basically just what, doing what I'm doing really, um, racing mainly locally, and then come the busy time of year, you know, around January, we will travel in the state a bit, but um, mainly just local. You know, I've got a family now and. I'd like to spend as much time as I can with them and, and um, yeah, pretty much just, just do what I can and, and every every race we go, we just try and win that and not focus on championships too much. But saying that, we are, I believe we are leading the, the local or the FAUSC series at the moment, which is um, which is good because um, uh, over my career, I think I've won uh, a couple of local track championships, but... Most times, you know, it seems to have that bit of bad luck during the year, which seems to cost me. And you know, quite often I'm either runner-up or, or you know, top three. But so far, so good. We've got one, one, one round to go, and, and you know, but got to try and keep out of trouble and finish finish that night. We should be looking pretty good. Where did your speedway career start? So my speedway career started um, in the local division. We um, have here in that place called a V6 Sprint. Um, we got into that, into that out of a go kart. You know, starting the karts from when I was eight years old. Stepped up into that as a as a very budget class and probably could, could afford it at the time. And uh, me and my dad built a car up and you know started racing them. Got success quite early on in, in, in that, and I guess. You know, that's where it's all started from, really. Just you sort of build yourself a bit of a name and sponsors come on board and people start to maybe notice you a bit. And I was lucky enough to get a bit of a break there and um, picked up a speed car ride next up from that and that was in the Burt Fetton speed car. And we did a year in that. Obviously, the, my ultimate goal um, was to, to run a sprint car, so... Done a year in the speaker after the V6 sprint, and then I was lucky enough to pick up a ride with Tony Bartlett um, as my rookie season in a in an open sprint car. And then from there, um, obviously sponsors come on board and managed to form my own team. 
and ran my own team for eight years, which, you know, it was basically a year-by-year thing. Every year, I didn't know if I'd be running again the next year. So to, to last eight years with my own team was, a you know, quite a big achievement. And, you know, we had we had some really good results um, with my own team, locally um, and obviously on the national scene as well, getting World Series podiums and um, picking up some major shows out of Speedway City, like the Jack Daniels Nationals and, and so and the Masters as well, which is quite a management. just race here in Adelaide, and and then sort of Sam would come along, and um, sort of the sponsorship was starting to thin out a bit. So I was lucky enough to pick up a ride, and oh yeah, I've um, been with the Downing Brothers now the last four four years, and picked up a, a World Series win. Um, quite a few World Series podiums and also um, quite a few uh, USC uh, wins as well. So it's been been quite a good um, quite a good achievement with us. And uh, as as you may know, the Downing, Downing boys are quite a small budget team, and and they do a good job though mm-hmm. with what they got. Now there was a really good car count at Murray Bridge on the weekend, and you were running the the one heat feature race format. What did you think about uh, only having that one heat and then straight into the main? For me, I, I actually don't mind it. Um, you know, it's the same for everyone. It doesn't matter what format you have, you got to have luck on the night and you've got to be good on the night. So it doesn't seem to matter which way they try and do it. They obviously they change it up a bit. Um, I think they mainly did that mainly because of the car counts they had through the three divisions, with black models, speed cars and the um, but yeah, like I said, the was a right at the top, and um, yeah, it definitely uh, worked our way on the weekend, and you know, as well as having a good car, and a bit lucky there in the feature. Jamie Gill did pass us earlier, but got caught up in that traffic and um, sparking up, so we got we inherited the luck back, and then and didn't look back from there. And um, yeah, like like you said earlier, that the track was pretty demanding. Um, Definitely not my style of track I like to race on. I definitely prefer the, the slick tracks, sort of more your American style race track, where it sort of comes more down to the driver in the car trying to try um, get the most out of the car with, with the limited grip you have. Um, so it brings the driver more into it. But saying that, we, um, I guess, uh, racing out at Speedway City. For many years, we probably raced a lot on that sort of sole track. It was a bit rough and, and um, juiced up, so I guess it brought, brought a bit of the old school out of me, and yeah, we, like I said, got the job done. It was good. Yeah. Now, behind you, Marcus Dumsney and, and Michael Stewart in the uh, other podium places, they're, they're two young guns that are, are trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah, definitely. Um, Marcus Dumsney, you know, obviously doing a really good job at the moment, Um you know, winning the prelim night there at the end of the classic and running second at the Aussie title. And to be honest, when I when I heard he was behind me at the restart there, you know, it did make me um get back up in the seat, knowing that you know it wasn't going to come easy. So, um, yeah, like you said, they're definitely two up and coming drivers, and it's good to see Michael Stewart come over to Murray Ridge as well. You know, from Sydney and whatnot. So, um, sports definitely in good hands at the moment. Um, like I said, I've been doing it. For a while now, I sort of you sort of forget how long you've been doing it, and I think it's about thirteen or fourteen years now. So, 
<laughs> sort of becoming one of the veterans, I guess. And um, but there's always always new blood coming through, and, and the way the sport's going at the moment, just the professionalism and and the young talent coming through. It's uh, it's never an easy race. Doesn't matter what race it is, any sprint car race in Australia or around the world. It's um, you know, it's never never a given. You've always got to earn it. Mm. So your next outing is the third round of the USC SA. Yep, yep. So the the next um, round, which will be the finale as well, is the the sixty lapper at, at Murray Bridge over two nights. So two separate nights, points wise, but um, the the points carry over for the final night, which is the sixty lapper race. So. Um, Definitely going to be a, a big challenge in itself just to finish or, or get through that race of, um, unscathed and, and obviously to um, try and win it would be a bonus because it's building a, up to be a pretty big race and um, you know some good prize money on the line too. And, and um, Last year we were we were in good contention. Um, we led it for a bit and um, we're steering a season through Roy Connacht and end up riding the car off. So... Um, it's just one of those things, you need, like I said, you need luck on your side. But right now we've got um, plenty left around Murray Bridge, so I'm definitely feeling comfortable there. And it's just a matter of getting unscathed and, and um, getting at the point in. Mm, well, that's on March, Saturday, March the 7th, and Sunday, March the 8th. So look forward to seeing how that all pans out. Matt Eagle, thanks very much for joining us here on Inside Speedway. Not a problem, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, Dennis, as we wrap things up on another week of Inside Speedway, and we spoke at the top that World Series Western Spring, uh, Western Swing, is going to uh, roll on from this weekend at the Esperance Holden Speedway in Esperance on Valentine's night. There's a romantic night out for the uh, lovebirds. As uh, and picking up on the theme of David Mills a little bit earlier in the show. Um, then off to Bunbury, finishing off in the following weekend with two big nights at the Perth Motorplex. And these these uh, rounds, the Western Swing, um, are probably the most important in the series for many reasons, not only because it determines the, the season World Series Sprint Cars champion, but um, the grand final, the two nights at the Perth Motorplex, it, it's, it's held at the best venue in Australia. And um, it's as simple as that. Um, I mean, I say best out of the facilities. It's a, it's a, I mean, there's other good tracks. We're talking to David Mills at Premier. They've got a great facility too. I, I don't mean that against other venues like Warnerville, but, but it is a purpose-built, government-funded stadium, the Perth Motorplex, a big track suitable for sprint car racing in this modern era. And I think it's probably probably fitting it, it with all due respect to Warrnambool, probably fitting it is healthy. So James McFadden is on 2,623 points. Kerry Matson is on 2,510. And, and you mentioned earlier in the show that he was running injured from back from the Australian title. And then you have Jock Gooder on 2,140 points. So Gooder is in with a good chance of maybe... Uh, well, securing a podium because he's got 100 and, uh, 120, uh, 100, yeah, 120 points over Brooke Tatnell, but he's, well, just in the 
in the position where he might be able to get an injured Kerry Matson if Matson is uh, struggling. Absolutely, and and hasn't Jock hasn't he had a great season? I mean, absolutely brilliant this young fella. I mean, the former Formula 500 Australian champion. Uh, this has brought into the four World Series sprint cars during the whole season and performing so well. As I said previously on one of your uh, one of our earlier shows, um, he, the performance he turned it turned in when I saw him in round ten at Lismore was, was eye catching to say the least. Uh, a, a great effort. But um, tremendous racing coming out of the Perth and WA fans, Bunbury and Esperance, um, two good other good venues for World Series sprint cars. So it all culminates uh, later this month, and it's going to be great. And, and uh, McFadden, of course, uh, um, probably uh, the last week or so, clocked up plenty of uh, frequent flyer points as well. <laughs> yes, he is going to indeed. Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, Dennis, on Inside Speedway. And we're looking forward to what should be a very interesting show next weekend because there'll just be two races left in the World Series and only a couple of sleeps before the Australian Speed Car Championship gets underway. And I think we're both looking forward to all of this coming up. <laughs> Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.